So, come on then you two, explain. Tony here hasn't been at any of the virtual meetings or picked up his email in two weeks. And he says it's all your fault, Andy. It's not my fault. Tony? Well, it, it started when I forgot my password a couple of weeks ago and I phoned up for a password reset. Which I gave him. And, well, I've, I've had some difficulties getting back online. Explain. Well, it's the password. When we reset the passwords, it sets the new one as a set of three randomly chosen words. You say they're random. They're randomly chosen common English words. And we tell the client over the phone. And normally, everything's fine. And what's the problem? Well, take the first password. Diarrhea, pharaoh, misspell. Yes. And you get three goes. Well, that's fair. How do you spell diarrhea? D-A-I-O-A-I-I-A. OK, so presumably you went for another reset. I did. And I got their fair counsellor. That's fair? Fair. Spelled F-A-R-E. Ah, that's not fair. Then there was necessitate conscientious, nepotism, then judgment, manoeuvring, overprivileged and malingering, upstart, backstabber. Come on, you two. This is childish. Do you know each other? Oh, yes. We go way back. We've known each other since school, haven't we? Oh, yes. Tony used to be on the team for the spelling competitions. And I wasn't. During this lockdown series, we've taken the opportunity to explore some of the exhibits of the Museum of Anomalous Experience, of which I am the curator. Stories of love and loss and of inexplicable strangeness. Visitors have confided in me that here within these labyrinths you can lose your sense of direction, your sense of time and your sense of humour. Today you will be exploring the museum through this virtual tour. I am Dr. Robert Ancillary, curator, and I'll be just slightly behind you. We'll be looking at artefacts such as the mysterious Litchfield clock, about which little is known, where or when it was made, who made it and why, what it looks like, or its current whereabouts. But first, some stories of the men who hunt the mysterious. On September the 7th, 1943, Philip Parkinson set out from his house with a sense of purpose. He was going to measure Loch Ness. Loch Ness is the measure of how much something is like a lock. To his surprise, Philip found that Loch Ness had a Loch Ness of one, being very much like a lock. This was puzzling to him because he had recently measured Orford Ness and found that Orford Ness had an Orford Ness of zero, whereas the nearby town of Orford had an Orfordness of one. So, when would someone around my age expect an effective vaccination? Your age? So, let's see. Phase seven, phase eight, no. Phase nine, no. Phase ten? Ah, there is no phase ten. No phase ten? No. You mean...? I'm afraid so. There was a mistake in the printing. It goes straight to phase 11, which is when the dead are expected to rise from their graves. Not our usual scientific advisor, that one. But the PM wanted to keep it in, 
hoping for a boost in voter numbers going into the next election. Phase 12, phase 13... So, what I'd like is if you could show me around the house as if I was a buyer. You know, point out the key features, and I'll do a valuation when we've finished. Well, you must call ahead next time. Give me a chance to run the dust around. So, how many beds? Three, upstairs. And the stairs? Fell into the basement. This is the kitchen. Okay. All the usual things. A cooker, fridge. Wow, lots of cupboard space. Yes. Did there used to be cupboards in yes, it? Yes, there did. And in there is the downstairs bathroom. Very nice. I like what you've done with the radiators, stacking them up like that. Now, are you fully solar now? Yes, it comes in through a hole in the roof. Can I see the back garden? Yes, through the gap in the corrugated iron there. Ah, yes. Barbed wire, I see. All round. South-facing, too. Lovely in the summer, once you get over the smell. Shall we go outside? Oh, I see you've put down ornamental glass. Is it a window? Yes, it deters them. What's market like at the moment? If I'm honest, it's a little bit down. What with the meteorite, the curfews, the riots, the dead rising from the graves. Oh, I see you've had the windows boarded, though. Nice touch. Yes, he's a local man. Uh, was a local man. And from an environmental perspective, are you within 500 metres of a river or a graveyard? No. No problems with the neighbours? No. On that side, he's pretty quiet. Keeps himself to himself. That's a bit of a worry. Do the army still cover this area? No. Ricardo? Oh, yes. The delivery vans get down the road much easier now there's no traffic. Yes, it's been a lot easier since they shut the hospitals. Yes, what a godsend. Although the state of the roads these days, thank God for a 4 by 4 Seems like everyone left's got one now. Oh, sounds like someone got out of bed on the wrong side. Oh, don't worry, that's probably just Mrs Bakewell. She's in her 90s, you know. Amazing. And we're in a catchment area for the school. How often do they come to catch them? Most weeks. Do you have children? No, no, not anymore. All grown up? Yes, that's what happened. Shall we go in? Yes. So, uh, can I ask why you're moving? It's my husband's commute. All right. Where does he work? He's in construction. Oh, that's good. Fences, mainly. Yes. Is he in? No, he's at work. He's always at work. He never comes home. He literally never comes home anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so rude. Would you like a coffee? I'd love one, thanks. How'd you take it? With or without water? Without, if you have it. Oh, there's just never a clean mug when you need one. Ah, here we are. Here you go. Smashing. Mmm. <laughs> I suppose I'm lucky being able to get out and about for work. I tell you, if I weren't able to go about the same thoughtless process day in, day out, day after day, well, I might as well be a zombie, eh? <laughs> oh, can I ask, why did you choose our agency? Well, I think I saw your van at the end of the road, the burnt-out one, and I tried ringing the number a couple of times, and after about a week, someone answered, and I thought, well... Well, thank you so much for contacting us. Well, I'd be happy to act as an agent for your house. However, it has some unique features. I mean, it's the only one in the street with a roof. So I I'd like to consult with some of the other guys, uh, the other guy in the office, in the street, outside the office. And if it's all right with you, I'd like to come back, if it's all right. If I didn't know better, I think you were after my body. No, no, I can assure you, it's far more likely I'll be after your brains. <gasps> I thought as much. No, wait. That's not what I meant. 
I, I misspoke. I meant... I oh, dear. He seemed a nice guy, too. Well, it's so hard to find a date during a pandemic. Hello? Is that the drain men? Do you think you could come over and have a look at me pipes? Daddy? Daddy? What are you building? This old thing, son. This is a belief structure. <gasps> a belief structure? Yes, you see, for many years, our lad, I have found contemporary religion and philosophy wanting. Can you pass me that screwdriver? Why is that, Daddy? Well, for example, an omnipresent, omniscient god who chooses not to intervene in daily events is much like an imaginary dragon, largely unnecessary to the daily functioning of the world. Whereas a god who does choose to intervene is either not all-powerful or not all-good if he chooses to let evil exist. No, I mean, why do you need a screwdriver? Because deontological ethics keep coming detached from dialectical materialism. When will it be finished? Oh, I fear it will never be finished, Timmy. Although I have built this on a sturdy chassis of Anglicanism, I suspect that at its heart lies a fundamental contradiction with its existentialist gearbox. I build these intricate machines to persuade myself that there is some deity who gives a damn what happens down here, when I fear that is not the case. Daddy? I know, son, I know. I know it's a futile exercise and that I'm largely compensating for an emptiness deep in my core. Don't you think I long to go out and experience the world firsthand instead of wrestling with this infernal machine? But how can I face the world with all its materialism and ethical contradictions without a functioning belief system? But, Daddy, Billy at school said his daddy got one off Amazon for £14. Did he? Right. He said it was made in China. Right. Well then, how about we go and get a McDonald's? And then you and me will push this thing in the river. Here, in the third lower sub-basement of the museum, is our exhibition dedicated to lost or missing objects. The necklace of Jane Williams, which vanished from around her neck during a coming out party and reappeared six months later hanging from a butler. Here are the mysterious Jones scissors, which, despite Mr. Jones being unable to find them, were found by his wife in the same drawer from which they had disappeared five minutes later. And in this display case is the infamous Rockland Diamond, which disappeared from inside a locked vault in February 1824 and was never recovered. In medieval Europe, the belief in the existence of little people who were supposed to be able to disappear objects, people, and livestock at will, was widespread. Why this should be the reserve of people under five feet in height is unclear, but has led to a wholesale suspicion of people of diminutive stature, especially children, ever since. It is not for no reason that the child's concession price here at the museum is considerably more than the entrance price of an adult, 
one must not only provision for the time spent cleaning chocolate-smeared fingerprints off glass cases, but mitigate against all manner of inconsequential trips and put railings around so-called dangerous spiral staircases, irrespective of the careful positioning of danger-of-death signs. And don't get me started on old-age pensioners. You're falling into a deep sleep, a deep sleep. You're travelling through a long tunnel, a tunnel into time, and you feel yourself being drawn back to your previous existence, and slowly you're able to remember everything about your past life. I'm here with Belinda Bloxballs, a hypnotist. She's attempting to perform a past-life regression on this young lady. Hello. Hello. Please tell me who you are. My name's Arthur Biggins. I'm a chimney sweep. You see how her voice has changed beyond recognition. Hopefully we'll be able to get some interesting period details. So please, can you tell me about your job? Well, I sweep chimneys, don't I? I gets me brush and I shoves it up the chimney and I jiggles it about a bit. That's incredible. What year is it? Well, it's 1910. I'm on my way back to Cherry Tree Lane to do a job for that nice Mr Banks. Ah, oh, good morning, Mary Poppins. Yes, yes, yes. You're feeling very chum, sleepy. Chum, chum, chum. And how many past lives will a typical individual have? Well, it varies. I've known some clients have as many as 10 or 12 that emerge over a number of sessions. It just depends on how rich they are. I mean, how rich their soul is. You're travelling back into the oh, tunnel. No, not here again. And you're being drawn back into another life, a different life, and you're coming round again. Where is one? I am in the body of a weak and feeble woman. And who are you now? I am Elizabeth, Queen of England and Ireland. Wasn't your previous client also Elizabeth I? Uh, well, the way this works, you see... The past lives are not bound by normal rules of time or personality. It's possible for lives to be out of sequence or have multiple souls in one body or even be in the future. That's very convenient. It's great being yes, it queen. Is. One will rock you. My face is all covered in white makeup. I'm just off down boots to get You're some feeling more. very sleepy again. For example, there are a very large number of Cleopatras, which I take as an indication of just how important a historical character Cleopatra was. But I think what's really remarkable is the depth of historical knowledge these past lives are able to provide us with. The other day, I had someone in here from the 15th century, and they were telling us things that even the historians didn't know about. Hello. Hello. And who are you now? I'm you, of course. What? Yes, I'm you. You see, I can be anyone in the past, present or future, so I've come back as you. Now, you're feeling very sleepy. No, you're feeling very you're sleepy. You're feeling very sleepy. It's almost as if she was no, in the room. you're feeling very sleepy. Feeling What's very next, then? Sleepy. Item 342 is Statue of David. Good grief. I'm the sculptor. I have submitted my invoice. 
What am I looking at? Okay, what you're seeing here is the young David, rendered in marble, full of confidence, about to take on the champion of his opponents in one-on-one -on -one combat. The little guy against the giant with impossible odds. The little guy? Yes. It's 15 feet tall. 17, actually. The expense was considerable. On the subject of which... I thought it was going in the hall. A centrepiece for the great hall, over the cost of the marble alone. Uh, the hallway, yes, on the sideboard, under the window. Uh, under the... Uh, when, when do I get paid? Sorry, I am going to push the point here. Why is the little guy so big? Well, it's designed to be seen from below. There's little danger of that not being the case. Did you read the brief? Ah! Art is unconstrained by briefs. Which brings me to another point. The terms of my payment. He is unconstrained by briefs. Or any form of clothing, for that matter. Magnificent, isn't he? He is unclothed. I mentioned he was full of confidence. The finishing processes were very time-consuming. You will find them uh, itemised on the invoice. He is a male nude, a perfect representation of the species. While administrators will age and wither, he remains forever in his prime, demonstrating the power of youth. The only thing he demonstrates is the danger of losing your locker key at the swimming pool. Look at his energy, his strength, and his vigour. I can't take my eyes off it. It's a bargain. Now, my uh, invoice. It's surprisingly small. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Very reasonable. Not that... The gentleman's vigour. I, I was thinking of economy, saving on marble. So you thought you would deliver a giant? He is the little guy. A 15 foot tall. A 17. A 17 foot tall little guy with no clothes on in marble. In the name of economy. Yes! Does he not arouse something within you? <sighs> Mr. Sculptor... I have no more need of arousal than I have of this ridiculous ornament. Ornament? Art contributes more to your so-called economy than agriculture. I don't hear you refusing to pay for spuds at the market. Generally, there is more call for sustenance than massive titillating monuments. Well, I suppose the damage is done. The gentleman has indeed met the terms of the brief. I see no alternative but to pay this invoice. I remain, madam... Your obedient servant. Uh, would you uh, care for first shout on the sequel? I call it David Two. No. Oh. One day, perhaps, I will have a whole marble universe. What on earth are we going to do with this? I can't think what Boris wanted with a statue of David Cameron in the first place. So much for statue of David. Item three four three. Dartboard of Teresa. You have got to be joking. If you're lucky visiting one of these antique fairs, you might find a little treasure such as this squat number. Slightly over-elaborate, perhaps, faux Victorian, and with some bad staining added in recent years. But enough about me. Let's see what crap our contestants have paid good money for. First, couple with incompatible tastes. Well, we've got some of the wreckage from the Roswell Flying Saucer crash in 1947. Wait! And now, kitsch enthusiast and boyfriend with zero sexual chemistry? Well, we've found literally the Holy Grail. Is that a metaphorical Holy Grail? 
No, we think this humble drinking vessel may be the literal Holy Grail. I see. Did it take you long to find? It was on the first stall. And who knows what they might have uncovered if they persevered a little longer. Let's see what the experts think. Experts, saucer wreckage. Well, it's certainly unusual. However, it is badly damaged. We've lifted it at £30. I see. Well, much as I dislike acknowledging that anyone else knows anything at all about antiques, I am contractually obliged to ask you for your opinion. Holy Grail. Not the sort of thing people want in their homes in these secular days. A few years ago, everyone was looking for this, but now I'm not sure there'll be a lot of interest. Uh, £10. Seriously? Don't they teach you anything at university anymore? Well... You're all right, Professor Gilbert. I'll be fine. Bad night is all. Hair of the dog. Want some? It's only gin. You'd think they might mention on an archaeology course that we've run out of archaeology. How can we run out of archaeology? They've dug it all up. I mean, we knew it was going to happen eventually. You can only go around digging things up for so long before there's nothing left to dig up. Hold that manuscript open, will you? Just need to check the location of the Iron Age village. It's very fragile. Uh, Shall I get some gloves? Cigarette? Uh, No, thanks. Uh, Should you be... I'm not going to last forever. Now, somewhere in this manuscript... Shit! Got a tissue? But surely there are things to investigate. I mean, your articles on the pyramids. The pyramids? <laughs> all excavated, all dug up, laid out, photographed and packed off to a museum. The same with the Incas, the Romans, even the damned Druids. Especially the damned Druids. Watsman has been crawling all over the Welsh mountains for the best part of a decade now, and all he's found is a used beer can and a glacier mint wrapper. Did this thing always have a cigarette well, burning? Uh, surely somewhere like Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah, right. There are more ancient artefacts in my laundry basket. You do know it was put up in the 60s, right? Stonehenge? Yeah, just a way of stopping them widening the A-road. Trust me, everything that was lost has since been found. And most of the stuff that's been found is fake. The only reason they put so-called ancient costumes in glass cases is so you can't get static shocks off the nylon. But how can everything have been found? Get over it, kid. It's all been found. All of it. The lost tribes of the Amazon the lost city of Atlantis, the lost property office of Paddington Station, all found, mapped, photographed and displayed, spread-eagled in National Geographic. But... Even my mother's wedding ring has turned up. But... It was behind the dresser the whole time. Still no sign of my father, though. The Spear of Destiny was in the storeroom of a supermarket in Cairo. The Amber Room? In the apartment of a little old lady in St. Petersburg. Noah's Ark? in a side street in Swindon Town Centre. It took a while for anyone to admit it. Its value as a biblical relic outweighed by four centuries of fixed penalty notices. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to piss. But, but, Professor, if there's nothing to find anymore, then what are all these people digging for? Hang on a minute, kid. Hey, Charlie, tell those guys to get a move on. 
I've got a cross-rail tunnel borer coming through this shithole in 24 hours, and if we don't get this Iron Age village buried by then, there's a serious risk they're going to be on time. Is there any of that gin left? You'll join me now on the 16th floor for our exhibition dedicated to ghosts and spirits. In 1959, Raymond Perspex, a local ghost hunter, decided to test the power of a ghost story to spread. He invented the story of a local preacher who had died by falling into a well. His story ran that his own imagined wife had been terrorised by a mysterious figure who repeatedly appeared at the place the preacher had fallen. To his surprise... Not only did many locals claim to have seen the ghost over the previous decades, but he returned home to discover that he had been married for six years. Which brings us to the tale of the most haunted house in England. Here in the museum, we have a photographic record of its final days. The photographs tell the story of an unprovoked attack by a gang of men dressed as firefighters who left nothing behind them but a smoking ruin. To the fallback, New and, and I'm going to have to stop you there. Now, we've heard a lot of impressive-sounding tech speak today, haven't we? We have. And if this piece of artificial intelligence software can do what you say it can do, well, I'm in. That's very exciting to hear. Wait, before we commit. Oh? I want to see it. Oh, no. Yes. Let's see this thing in action. I'm done chewing the fat. I don't even like fat. God, who eats fat? Right. Only... I brought my eyes all this way, breaching several international export agreements, and they're not going to be happy until they've feasted on your... No, this has got inappropriate. I'm not comfortable with this comment. Someone help me out. I'll take it from here. Make a note. Next time for lunch, no fat sandwiches. Do you really want to see it? All the clever stuff is in the algorithms. That's what you'd Anne, be buying. Anne, Anne. Anne, Anne. If you think that I'm going to open my wallet, take out my money, put it on the table, and then walk back out, then I'm afraid you're very much mistaken. Apart from anything else, I'm contactless these days. Completely contactless. I haven't been touched in weeks. See this chair? I'm not actually sitting on it. I'm hovering one millimetre above the seat. Lost my thread a bit there. The essence was, I'm wanting to see it. Are you sure? I mean, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, yes, but you can, Anne. You can. You absolutely can judge a book by its cover. It's just an expression. No, Anne, this is an expression on my face. This is an expression that says, I can't believe you're going to let me walk out of here because that's what I'm going to do. Over there, going out of the door, that's future me. There he goes. Bye. All right. But it is a prototype, that's all. It's not intended as a finished product. And it's all right. You're amongst friends. Oh, old school, hey? Over here, Chris. If you bring it round... Are you sure about this? It'll be fine, Chris. These developers are messing with powers they don't understand. OK, you're going to need to put these on. VR glasses, cool! No, really dark sunglasses. And here goes. That's one heavy laptop. It doesn't seem to be working.
look at it. Shut your eyes, Anne. Don't look at it, no matter what happens. It's beautiful. I've never seen such a shade of white. How can something so pure be so dirty? Ah! My eyes! They're being pulled in opposite directions! The letters! They're so big and so small at the same time! The angels are playing Connect Four on my brain! Can't look away! Two! Don't look at it! Keep your eyes shut! Look away! From the... Icons. They're just so meaningless. It's all so empty. My burning. burning. Think my head is going to explode. I suppose it's too late for the non-disclosure agreement. Hi there, nice to be with you. Happy you could stick around. We hope you've enjoyed the series and we'd like to introduce you to the band. On drums, the legendary Lisa Thrower. On overdue bongos, it's the abominable snowman. Nice beard. On bass, blink and you'll miss him, it's the invisible man. On time, it's the 823 from Bristol Temple Moons. On economics, Mr. Andrew Fletcher. Stop, I've misread Keynes, I should have said Keynes. On mallets, it's Alex Olivier. On synths, Maria Finley. On fire, it's Willow the Wisp. On armadillo guitar, it's Mr. Matthew Nation. Vocals from the Angels of Mons. On aggressive trombone, Mr. Harry Burt. Speaking in tongues, it's Robert Finley. Lead guitar, the ghost of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, Arthur. On goats, Chupa Cabras. Never know if you should pronounce the S. He's somewhere around here. It's the elusive beast of Bodmin. On homemade piano, Verity Neen. And on tubular bells, the Loch Ness Monster. Take it away, Nessie. <laughs>